song. You've been around in church or whatever, but that's an old song to me. And, uh, I mean, it's, this song was moving through the revivals of the uh, mid-90s. And, man, it, it's just a good, solid song. Uh, three of you agree with me. But it is. I mean, Jesus. 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 That's, that word is not something you say that has power behind it when you mash your thumb. But it does have power in it when you say, Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I'll never let you go. It's good stuff. I <clears throat> There's been a phrase running through my, um, just running through my spirit, running through the inside of me since yesterday. And then this morning all through... Um, worship. It's been uh, running through me. And that little phrase is, even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And you know, we've been looking around, seeing what's going on in our world. We've seen, you know, as Jesus said, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, right? We see stuff happening overseas. We see um, financial things going on that are leading to some kind of collapse, some kind of burst of the bubble, so to speak, right? Are you all here this morning? Yeah, come on. Um, and, and you know, there's, there's things happening to where people who have never even gone to church is saying, this is getting crazy. It's getting scary. Jesus is coming soon. So... I, I heard, so I saw a video yesterday that came up on my weather app on my phone. They send me these little videos every morning, and I really don't care about the tornadoes. Um, I say that that was pretty heartless to say that. Huh? I mean, I come from I'm come from t- Tornado Alley in Oklahoma, so um, they don't bother me much. But the things that stand out to me was this video that they sent yesterday that the Hubble spacecraft or Hubble uh, telescope, you all know what that is? You know, NASA put up this big telescope to look out into the heavenlies and all that kind of stuff. Well, the Hubble telescope, I don't know if you saw this yesterday or not, or this week, um, the Hubble telescope has located the furthest depth, uh, star in the furthest depth of the universe that it can and the this this star that they found, I think they said it took 12 million years for the light of that star, which is 100 million times greater than the sun, something like that, really extreme amount, for the light to reach what they saw through the telescope. That just blow your mind, won't it? How deep space is. I mean, for a little speck on this earth like me, you know, it's this telescope saw this star. Well, they named this star Arendelle. And the word Arendelle means morning star. You say, well, what does that mean? I want to read you a scripture here. I hate it when I get my password wrong. 
This is in Revelation chapter 22. This is the end of the book. This is getting close to where at the end of this whole book called the Bible, it says the end. And in, um, in Revelation 22, 16, it says, this is Jesus talking, it's written in red. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. If we're beginning to see through our best ability in nature that the furthest star that we can see is called the morning star, it is getting close. If we're seeing the morning star, it's getting close. Even though he's 12 million years of light out, even so, come Lord Jesus. We're there. We're there. We're there. It's coming. It's headed this way. It's headed this way, y'all. So don't worry about the wars and rumors of wars. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you don't have to worry about the wars and rumors of wars. You don't have to worry about kings and queens falling. All you have to do is prepare that even so, come Lord Jesus. He'll be here soon. If our telescopes are seeing him, he'll be here soon. He's coming soon. I've heard that all my life. Jesus is coming soon. Well, he's a lot closer today than he was yesterday. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for where you sit within who we are. You have made your throne in heaven, but you still sit upon the seats of our hearts. So, Father, today I pray that if there's anybody in here who has never entered into a relationship with you, but before we get out of here today, I pray, God, that they would step into Jesus, the lover of our souls. I thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you that you're that you're coming. You're coming. You're coming quick, Jesus. Even so, come. Thank you and I praise you for all that you are and all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell you what, turn around and give somebody a high five. Tell them you're glad to see them today, and we'll get going this morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You're, you're not convincing me. How's everybody doing this morning? 
I know, I know, I know. It's it, you know the the weather kind of backed up on us. I thought we was going to get warmer and warmer, and it backed up on us today, didn't it? Just like we need a big old plunger in the weather, don't it? <laughs> I'm here. Well, I want to welcome you guys to Cowboy Church this morning. One of the one of the things that we've got going on in our uh, life and church right now is that we've <clears throat> we've partnered with a church in California called Kingdom Ranch Ministries Cowboy Church and and this morning they um, they they should be watching so you know we just want to give a shout out to Kingdom Ranch thank you so much for joining us online this morning and um, man it's good to have you guys and I will I will see you guys soon. Um, Anyways, we partnered with the Cowboy Church out, those of you that don't know, out in California, in Merced, California. And um, Lynette and I have committed to them that we're going to go out once, uh, once a month and give, you know, uh, give an in-person message there. And, and, um, and then the rest of the time, they're going to be joining us by, um, by our Facebook Live. So, um, man, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. And we're so... Uh, ecstatic about being a part of Kingdom Ranch Ministry. So um, before I get into the message today, uh, at the first of every month, um, we like to pray over finances. Uh, if, if this is your first time here or you haven't been here for very long, uh, we, do our, we do our offerings just a little bit different. You know, usually you go to a church and about between the worship and the preaching that they do a tithe and offering message and they pass a hat or pass a plate and kind of put it under your nose and you kind of feel like you need to take your change and drop it really nice in there so nobody knows that you didn't give bills. Um, that's the kind of church I grew up in. But we, we do things a little different here. We, um, we don't pass a plate and all that stuff and take a lot of time doing that. Uh, we've got a box or a, a, a table at the back doors over here that um, if you want to give uh, give here in person, you can do it back there or you can get online at n3c.tv and you can give online. So since we don't do a message, uh, like an offering message, we like to pray over your offering at the beginning of the month. So could I do that? Would you let, allow me to do that? All right. Let's, uh, let's pray over it real quick. Father God, I thank you so much for uh, your people who you have asked to be a part of this church or any other ministry. Father, that when we give of our, our tithes and our offerings, God, you open up the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that we can't contain it is what your word says. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, those who are givers, those who are um, obedient to tithe, and those who just have a heart to be generous. Father, I thank you that you open up those windows and pour out such a blessing. Father, I pray for, I pray for um, money that comes in from places they didn't even know that, that, that money was supposed to, to come to them. Father, I thank you for the prospering of their bank accounts and the prospering of their souls. And, and we just give you all glory and honor. And thanks for giving us the ability to be wealthy in the things of God. I praise you and I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> you know, um, 
in, in that right there of offerings and your generosity and things like that, um, I, I cut my teeth. I was thinking about driving in this morning. I cut my spiritual teeth on what people are calling the prosperity preachers. Um, I could name names, but I'm not going to name names. You probably have heard of those names and stuff. People get all butt hurt and bent out of shape about, um, about what these guys preach. But let me, let me tell you something. True prosperity is having enough to meet your need and to meet the needs of someone around you. That's what true prosperity is. That's the way I look at it. So, um, prosperity is in abundance. Amen. I've been, I've, I've had money. And I've not had money. Having money is pretty good. <laughs> but God is still God in the midst of all those things. And his prosperity, he, he loves to prosper his people. And so we just pray that you would have enough to meet your need and the need of somebody else around you. Amen? That's true prosperity. Amen. So that's not my sermon. That's not where I'm going. So that, that was extra. You don't even have to pay for that one unless you want to. So anyways, um, if this is your first time here or you've not been here for very long and you don't know who I am, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor and, and founder of Northern Colorado Cowboy Church. We founded our church in uh, May of 2000. So this year we're in May, we're going on 22 years. And um, that's a good thing. Amen. And um, in the midst of that, my wife and I, I didn't do it by myself because I don't have that much talent. Um, so I need somebody with a lot of talent and a lot of uh, likability. Um, and that's my wife, Lynette. She's not here today. She's feeling a little under the weather this week. And, and she didn't want to snot on anybody, so she didn't come. Praise God, huh? And uh, the one time I'm glad to not see my wife. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, when she's all cruddy, ew. so not good. So anyways, um, I, I just, I just want to share a little bit of, of our story today. There's no, no really big, as a matter of fact, you know, when you've got to name your message, I'm usually pretty good at naming my message and knowing where I'm going, but it was till I got done with it and I was going back through it and going, I don't even know what to call this. So I named it, but we'll see if it fits the name. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, the word of truth. The word of truth is the name of the, the message. I usually don't give that until the end, but that's what I called it today. So um, we got some pretty big things going on here at Cowboy Church. I know that uh, we're trying to find our rhythm coming out of the, the whole COVID deal a couple of years ago. Churches, I've heard that there are some churches that still haven't opened up. Okay. Um, anyways, um, in two weeks, we are going to have what the calendar says is Easter. Okay. In two weeks, Easter is coming. It's coming. And, and we call it here at Cowboy Church, we call it resurrection weekend. And I want to, I want to get into that and, and talk about some of those things of, of why we talk, why we call it that. But I want you guys to know, first off, that in two weeks, we're going to have a Resurrection Sunday service. We're going to have two services that day. So, <laughs> thanks, Mom. <laughs> uh, 
Somebody's excited about it. I don't know. So I'll give you $20 later. Um, no, thanks for being so enthusiastic. We're going to have two services that morning. We're going to have a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So here's what I want to encourage you, that if you are planning on bringing your family, you know, you're inviting extended family and you're going to have a pretty big group and things like that, or if you're a regular attender, um, I would ask that, I would encourage that you would come to second service, to the 11 o'clock service, just to disperse this, the nine o'clock service is usually the one that everybody likes to go to so they can get to the buffet afterwards. You know, they can get to their, their Easter brunch or whatever they're doing that day. And so they want to get in here and, and get things and get out. But if you can at all come to the 11 o'clock service, there's nothing special about it. It's just dispersing the crowds and, you know, breaking up the crowds. Cause I believe that that morning there are a lot of people that come to a church that they don't come to any other time. And so the, they, they, we call them the CEO Christians, um, Christmas and Easter only. Um, <clears throat> and so we'll, we'll have those things. And, and so I don't want to just be overcrowded. We we will do uh, communion during that time. So it's a, it's a good time to come. If you haven't taken communion in a while, then it's a good time to come. So, um, we're, we're going to do that. I had a, a question um, that came up to me. It, it, was, it was a question, a valid question, from a, a, a person who has been here for many, many years. And the question that, that he asked, he says, you know, why do we call our Easter service resurrection service or resurrection Sunday? Why do we call Easter Sunday Resurrection Sunday. And, and so I thought, that's a great question. I haven't approached that question in a long time because when you get questions asked like that, as the senior pastor or as a leader in the church, it, it stirs on the inside of you an evaluation of what you've been preaching. If, if somebody that's been coming here for many years doesn't know why we call it Resurrection Sunday as opposed to Easter Sunday, then I haven't talked about that in a long time. So I'm going to talk about that. Is that all right with you? Yeah. <clears throat> so in the, in the last year, year and a half since, since COVID, um, since we opened back up, um, I have had a, a great opportunity to meet new people. If you've come to Cowboy Church from uh, from the COVID, post-COVID, if you've come to Cowboy Church and become a part of Cowboy Church or you've visited here um, post-COVID, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there people that... Yeah, look at all the hands. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us a shot and, and uh, coming and being a part of this deal. Um, you know, I've had a, a great opportunity to meet many people that's come post-COVID. And in that, you know, we do, little, we do things a little bit different here at Cowboy Church. Um, <laughs> some like it, some don't. If you've got an open chair beside you, it's probably because somebody didn't like it. And, and, and you know, so, and, and that's okay. I, I know that to each his own, uh, that's why there's so many churches around is because, you know, Christians are a little finicky. 
and and so they they like their they like their churches and they like their styles they like their things but if they don't like it that's okay it's okay amen, amen. <clears throat> um but cowboy church northern colorado cowboy church has never been the typical church we're not even the typical cowboy church I mean, I, I have good friends that started cowboy churches and, and things like that. And they've got, you know, they, they think that the, the whole cowboy church feel has got to be that you've got to sit on hay bales and wear bandanas and bolo ties and, and um, have a country and western band and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's all cool. That's all good. I like the way that you get into things. But we're just different. We, we just don't do that. But we're still a cowboy church. And, and so um, at, the, um, at the end of 2019, I remember how excited church was. Uh, and, and I say that not as this church. I say that as the capital C church, the, the, the global church. They were very excited at the end of 2019 because they could look forward into the year 2020 and they came up with their own thing. I, if I heard it once, I heard it 10,000 times, that 2020 was a year of perfect vision. 2020, perfect vision. And, and you know, our churches just, we, we rally, every, every church that I know rallies at the fact that you've got to have a vision for your church. And 2020 was perfect. Exactly. 2020 vision. You know, people were so excited. The church was so excited about that. And then COVID hit. And everything shut down. We went into this thing called quarantine. We've never been there before. We, we were looking around and saying, what do we do now? As a church, what do we do now? Because our vision is not perfect here. As a matter of fact, 2020 brought blurrier vision than we've ever seen before. So imperfect was the year 2020 and bleeding over into 21. The, the, the church vision um, got blurrier and it was because we were being controlled. The church was being controlled by bigger, greater powers that be in our culture and society. And so what does a church do in the midst of that? What, what do we do in the midst of all those things? And, and so we here at N3C, we set, um, it, was, it was a tough time because I believe what God has called us to do is to move, um, move his church forward. And the people of the church, not, not the building the church, the ecclesia church, the, the church, the people in church. You are the church. This building is not the church. Amen. And so in that, what, what I saw is that, that people um, didn't know what to do. And so we made the decision as a, as a staff of leaders and pastors during that time, during 2020, that we were going to open our doors, even though the government said we couldn't. And, and, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't that we was trying to be rebellious. It's just... They were trying to hold back what I believe God called us to. And if God called us to, 
move and to do things to, to be the church and to provide an atmosphere for his people to be, I believe with all my heart that God is going to take care of us. And so I told my staff and I, you know, I told my um, pastors that I said, we're, we're going to open. Even though government is telling us we can't. I said, I'm to the place now that I'm willing to go to jail with an open church than sit back and let the enemy run roughshod over the people who are sick, getting sick, all that kind of thing. So I said, I said, no, come bail me out if you need to bail me out. I ain't never been to jail. I've been close, but I always pointed at somebody else and let them go to jail. No, I've, I've been close, but I, I never had to go to jail. And I can't think of a better reason to go to jail than to say, I'm, I'm, I've been called to do God's work, and that's what I'm going to do. Maybe there's people in jail that need to hear what I have to say. Thank God it didn't happen. <laughs> but we made, we, we made the decision to open before, you know, uh, even sooner than the powers that said that I couldn't or could before they got on board. And so we opened up and, and, um, and, and we went through all the stuff, all the uh, sickness. We had people get sick in church. In our church, we had to get people get, people died. And, and I hated that. I hated those things. But the fact of the matter is, is we are a church that needs to be together. And, and so... You know, many people curse that season, that, that COVID season. Many people, you know, say, you know, that they didn't like it, that it really changed some things. It did change some things. But everybody hopes that it doesn't happen that way again. Amen? I hope it don't. <clears throat> but after the fact of COVID and all that it did during those year, that year and a half, <clears throat> I am glad that we went through it. Personally, I'm, I'm personal. I, I'm glad. I don't, I don't think it's so bad. I don't curse that season because what it made us do is evaluate who we are as the church. It made us evaluate what our stances are, what, what we're going to do as Christ followers. And, and so um, if you're new to, to N3C, that's what we call this, um, some people say, why do you call it N3C? Because it's just quick. Northern Colorado Cowboy Church is a lot of words. <laughs> and so we call it N3C. And, and so when, when I refer to that, you know I'm talking about us. But if you're, if you're new here, uh, maybe you've seen or you will see that we do things just a little bit different. We've always been different. Cut of a different cloth. And, and um, one of the things that we saw when we first began uh, church is that, you know, when you put carpet in your house, anybody ever put new carpet in your house? The guys come in and they, they, they cut, they have this standard carpet size. When they put it in your house, they have to cut around things, right? And what do they do with those extra pieces of things? They're still perfectly good carpet, but they're, but they don't fit anywhere. So they call that remnants. A carpet company will ask you, do you want your remnants or do you want us to throw them away? That's what we are in this cowboy church is that we're the remnants. We, we don't fit. 
anywhere else. We're different, but we're still functional. We're still way functional. We just don't fit. And so I believe that, you know, from the very beginning, we've been called a remnant church. Jesus is coming back for the remnant. He's coming back for the remnant. That's what the the Bible says. But we do things a little bit different. That's why um, we're called cowboy church and not outlaw church. We're not, we're not outlaws because, you know, I believe that the cowboy spirit on the inside uh, of people, there, there is a spirit that I identify it as, a, as a kind of a cowboy spirit, uh, especially in this church, which that spirit is that we're independent, we're um, improvisational, and we're influential. So three eyes for you. You can write that down if you want to. That's all. I like, I like finding those kinds of things. But we're, we're independent. That don't mean that we're rebellious. We're just independent. We're improvisational, which means that you have the ability to step into things that are strange that you've never faced before and be able to navigate those things. Just, just out, you, you find it on the inside how to navigate those things. Does that make sense? And we're um, influential. I believe with all my heart that this church is made up of so many entrepreneurial type people that you become influential in that. So that's, that's a cowboy spirit. You know, that's why we say come as you are. You don't have to fit into any mold because you probably won't because if you're really going to be a part of this church, you're probably a remnant. <laughs> and so um, with that, you know, N3C is a people who view things through a different lens. I view things through a different lens. I, you know, Lynette and I both look at things in the church and and, um, maybe churches we grew up in, maybe ministries we grew up under, and we look at those things and say, that's not us. We we don't like those kinds of things. You know, we we see things that we don't want to be a part of, so that cuts us out of the mold and makes us remnant. And so um, I love, I love personally challenging religion. When I preach, I love to challenge religion. I love to challenge tradition. I don't go along with something just because the calendar tells me to. I don't go along with someone because or something that, uh, you know, just because the church world global wide says that you've got to do this. I pushed back. We started the church, and we only had Tuesday night service. And so many people were saying, you need, a, you need to do Sunday. You need to do Sunday. I grew up in Sunday church, and I don't want to do that. I'm going to challenge this tradition. And I did for about six years. And I gave in to it. But the, but the fact of the matter is, is I, I, love, I love cow tipping. Kicking over sacred cows. I love it. I love, you know, these, you know, church people come in and they got these little sacred cows that they carry around, traditions and religion. And I say, I'll kick your cow over. I wasn't very good at cow tipping when I was in college. That they took me hazing, you know. Get you hurt. But in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Jesus said, the traditions of men have made the word of God to no effect. That's why I love kicking over traditions. I don't like traditions. 
The, the, the word there of no effect means to deprive of force or authority. In other words, that the traditions of men take power away from what God wants to do in our lives. Not all traditions are bad and not all religion is bad, but those things that, that are traditional, that have um, um, <laughs> golden calves, so to speak, attached to them, I love to kick them over. And I hope that you would love to kick them over too. Because I need power in my church. I need power from the people in the church. I need power to be able to be transmitted from this stage on a Sunday into your lives to where you have a power not just to use in here, but to take outside the church's walls and carry that power, carry the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom of God, the power of miracles out into the streets out there. Amen? And so if you see us doing anything considered traditional in the church, it's because we've tested it and found it's good. Otherwise, I'm cow tipping. Amen? I, I've been messing with a new mantra, 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 a saying over this church for a little bit. <clears throat> I've been looking for this new mantra, a new saying, a new um, statement over our church. And I think I found it. And then here's, here's the new saying that, that I have for this church based from our vision, from our mission, those kinds of things, is that our purpose in this church, in 3C, our purpose is to make the invisible presence of Jesus visible in the life of others. I purpose, we purpose, to make the invisible presence of Jesus visible in the lives of other people. Amen? I want people to see Jesus. I don't want them to just see a statue of him on a cross. I don't want them to see just a statue of, of Jesus or a picture, a painting of Jesus, the Sistine Chapel. I, I don't want that as much as I want to see Jesus operate through his church the way that it's supposed to. That we are Christians, we are Christ followers, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us that brings power to the words that are spoken. The Apostle Paul said, I didn't come with enticing words. I came with the power of God, and that's how it's going to be communicated. The power of God taking invisible Jesus and making him visible in our lives. Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. So if that's our deal, then we as the church become a vessel, a vessel, a vessel, a vessel of, the, of, an, of an encounter with Jesus. What we have on the inside of us, we're a vessel. What we have is that we express, we are responsible for expressing the look of Jesus on our face. We're responsible for uh, resonating the tone of his voice. We're responsible for, the impart, for imparting heaven with the touch of his hands. We are to be his hands. And we're responsible to carry and deliver grace on this earth. His grace on this earth. Amen? 
But this is what I want you to see is that religion for the sake of tradition has no power. Did you hear me? Religion for the sake of tradition has no power. Tradition for the sake of religion has no power. There, it, there's no power in religion. There's no power in tradition. And just because we can associate Jesus in our religion and our tradition does not mean that we have encountered the truth of Jesus. Christmas, Easter, 4th of July. I don't know. I'm just going along. <laughs> well, the, the thing about it is, is that if we celebrate, celebrate those things just because it's tradition, there's no power in it. If we celebrate those things just because it's religion, there's no power in those things. It's when we put aside religion and tradition and take the relationship that we have with Jesus and begin to download into other people is where the power comes from. Amen? Until we find the power of encounter of Jesus in religion and tradition, it's just a waste of time. If we go to, if we go to church on Christmas and Easter only, how much power is getting transmitted to the person who just comes because it's, it's the thing to do? Getting awful quiet in this Episcopal church. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I've been talking for about 25 minutes and just now getting to the Bible, but I'm, I'm getting there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here in 2 Timothy, um, obviously this letter is about, you know, Timothy is one of the subjects of this letter because it's his name. But it, this uh, uh, Timothy during this time, uh, the character of Timothy in the Bible is a pastor over the church at Ephesus. And the church at Ephesus, Ephesus is, uh, is located in modern day Turkey. And, and back then, it was called Asia Minor. It was a, they were Greek. They were born out of Greece, and, and that's what the government was there at Ephesus. So uh, you know, Timothy was in a, in a pretty big um, spot of different religions. And so the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy while the Apostle Paul's in prison in Rome. He's fixing to die. It's not going to be very long. He knows that he's going to die um, pretty soon, and he's in prison, and, I mean, his... His prison cell is just a few hundred yards from a place called Nero's Circus where they were sacrificing and, and crucifying um, Christians. And so Paul knows this, and, and so it's not long before he's dying, and he's writing here to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says this in verse 8. It says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Did you hear that? The word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect or the, the chosen people, the church, 
that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Then he says this, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, he shall also reign with us. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are, uh, if we are faithless, he remains faithful and he cannot deny himself. Verse 14, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of, of the hearers. Be diligent, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here in this, in this uh, last verse, I love this last verse because he says, he, he, he calls us workers. Now, when, when you see this word workers, it's one who labors, of course. That's the easy definition. What he is not saying here or what he's saying is that um, it's being a worker in the body of Christ is not about working to earn your way to heaven. Okay? Got me? You're not working to earn your way to heaven, but when you become a Christian, there is work that we've got to do. And he says to study, to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are you hearing me? Rightly dividing. The word rightly dividing uh, is, is one word. It's two words in English, but one word in the Greek. And it means to cut a straight path. So when we have, when we're, when we're ministering to somebody, when we're reading the word to somebody, we have the ability, instead of trying to take these different tangents, he is saying that you've got to work to find what the, the scripture is saying in order to cut a straight path for people to walk through in the word. You with me? So I come back to the question that I was asked. Why do we call it Resurrection Day instead of Easter? I'm so glad you asked. See, I grew up in denominational church. Um, from three years old till I was 17 years old, I grew up in a mainline denomination, and we did all the things that good Christians are supposed to do. We, you know... Um, during Easter, you know, it was Easter was all about eggs, coloring eggs, right? Some of y'all look a lot more holy than I was, but it's all about coloring those eggs, going on Easter egg hunts, chocolate bunnies, Easter baskets, pastels. You know, we all had to go get new clothes to go to Easter service, and um, and and. And then, you know, we would go to church on that Easter Sunday and celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? And it, with our Easter baskets. And we had, we had all those things. That's the kind of church I grew up in. But when I became, um, when I gave my life back to God and I answered the call to start this church, in, in, 2000, in 2000, around 2002, we had gone through those traditions and those religion things that, that uh, I did as a kid. 
But I begin to challenge Easter. I begin to challenge Easter. And what I found challenging Easter, uh, I begin to look into the origins of what it was all about. And this morning, I'm not going to get into all the origins of what it's about. You can do that. Good, a good um, uh, way to learn where Easter came from, the History Channel. The History Channel website is really good for that because it'll tell you everything. It'll tell you, you know, where it came from and the, how the church got tied to all those things. And, and so um, the word Easter is not in the Bible. It's not in there. If you read the King James Version only, you will see it in Acts chapter 12, but when you look at the word, it translates it to Passover. Not Easter, Passover. And so when, when you look at that, the word Easter in the Bible um, uh, comes from a German word called Eoster. Eoster. Eoster means it, it's the goddess, it's a goddess of spring. It's a Greek and Roman goddess. Yeah. Golden calves popping up. And so some of some of y'all are sitting there going, Oh crap, where's he going with this? <clears throat> the Bible does give two words in the Old Testament that the uh that the pagan gods uh Asherah and Astart um those were gods of the pagans in the Old Testament and those pagan religions, these these goddesses were the what they considered the queen of heaven. And God said, don't, don't worship those things. This is what derived into Easter. And like I said, go look it up. I ain't telling, you know, if you love Easter, love it. Love it with all your heart. But when I found these things out, it changed me. It changed the way I see things. It changed the way that I preached. And so um, if, if you like Easter the way it is, don't go look at the origins. Because we as Christians are responsible with what we know. And if you see some of the things that, that, that Easter in the pagan world means, you're responsible. That's all I can say. But here at Cowboy Church, we would never command you not to, work, not to celebrate Easter. For what it is, uh, because most people in the church look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, um, we'll, we never, you know, tell you not to observe it. Romans chapter fourteen, verse five, it says, "One person esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind." So if you want to celebrate Easter, if that's, your, if that's your deal and you're good with that, do it with all your heart. If you don't want to do that, do it with all your heart. Be persuaded, but not judgmental. Amen? <clears throat> so as we move forward in, in our church and seeing some of these uh, holidays, these things that we in the American church celebrate in 2003, um, we begin to emphasize that we were not going to call our Easter service Easter service. We were going to call it Resurrection Day because it's the celebration of the resur resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? 
And so that's why we call it Resurrection Day. You say, well, you know, Pastor, aren't you just watering down the Word? Aren't you just watering down this Easter? It's still Easter. You're still celebrating it at that time. You're still... Um, that's, a, that's a great question. But see, here's the tension that I have to deal with as a pastor, as a founder of a church, is that the global, church, uh, the global culture of Christianity is that that day called Easter, that we call Resurrection Day, is preset. It's preset on the calendar. You can run a calendar out two years, five years, 10 years, and you will find the day that Easter is on every calendar. They, it's not set according to a date. It's set according to a day. I don't think that Jesus, when he was going to the, you know, when he knew it was time to go to the cross, I don't think that Jesus walked around going, all right, the Sunday after the full moon after the spring equinox, I'm going to die on the cross. That's, that's, what Easter, that's how Easter is set on the calendars. It is the Sunday after the first or after the full moon, after the spring equinox. It's preset. Jesus didn't set to die in that time. So you, you and I are Christians. And apart from the resurrection of Jesus, apart from that, Christianity don't hold water. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus. Every day. Every day. Not just the Sunday after the full, first full moon after the spring equinox. We don't celebrate his resurrection. Christianity does not celebrate his, his resurrection one day of the year because we as Christians have to rely on the resurrection every day of the year. It's an everyday thing. It doesn't mean we can't, you know, kind of fare it out and take one day in that, in that time to really drive that point home. But since that day is preset, we are aware that many people who don't go to church at any other time go to church that day. So we have to leverage that as the church. And, and so we will make room for that tension because when else can we connect with the people who only come at Christmas and Easter? But our job is not to make it a religious, traditional type of deal. It's not our job to preach the same scriptures, to have the same cantata, do you know what a cantata is? Cantata is a singing. <clears throat> and, and we're not obligated there. We're not obligated to do that, that religious deal or that religious tradition. But what we do is take that opportunity when people will be coming to church by the droves we take that opportunity to introduce them to the presence and the power of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, it says that um, the Apostle Paul said, we become all things to all men that we might save some. 
So that's, that's why we do a Resurrection Sunday. Amen? All right. But still, we can't make... Um, we can't make that day truth by changing the name from Easter to Resurrection Sunday. We still can't, you know, we still can't make it truth because Jesus' death, burial, and resur- resurrection was not based upon a calendar, upon our calendar of the Sunday after the full moon, after the vernal equinox, spring equinox. Um, the truth is, is that the first month of the Jewish religious calendar called Nisan, the, the, it's, it's, the, it's on the spring new moon is when that starts. Uh, and I hope I, I'm not uh, confusing anybody, but the religious, Jewish religious calendar has its own calendar. It's not ours. And so the first month of the Jewish religious calendar is called Nisan. And, and, and it's, uh, the Bible says that on the 14th day of the first month, you will celebrate the Passover. Passover happens about the same time as Easter. Sometimes it happens during, or uh, Easter happen, happens during Passover, but sometimes it don't. So what do we do about that? And, and um, if you would go over to, to um, Exodus chapter 12. What Passover is, is it's a remembrance that, that Israel was freed from slavery. When, when you go back in Exodus chapter 12, um, ha, have you all ever seen the Ten Commandments, the, the movie, the Ten Commandments? I mean, it comes on every year at this time. Matter of fact, it'll be on next Sunday night from 6.30 to 10.30. And I watched that show growing up at Easter time every year. And so I'll, I'll get into that in just a minute. Here in Exodus chapter 12, um, Israel is enslaved in Egypt. And um, they had been there for 400 years. They had been abused and treated bad by the Egyptians and things like that. Um, and uh, God called a man named Moses to come and kick over sacred cows. Um, a man called Moses to bring freedom to, to God's children. There were 10 plagues. If you all remember the, you know, there's frogs and there's turning the water to blood and there's flies and there's gnats and there's all kinds of, uh, of uh, uh, plagues that go on during that time that Moses is trying to get the people freed. But the 10th one, the 10th plague that came was the angel of death passing through Egypt and the firstborn we're going to die. The firstborn of Egypt, the, first, the firstborn of all their animals, their, their kids, their animals, firstborn is going to die during that time that the death angel or the spirit of God, in this case, brought judgment of death through, this, through that time. And, and God knew that when that spirit of death went through there and all these people started dying, that the Egyptians would say, all right, Egypt, uh, Israel, get out of here. And so what was instructed is that Israel would have to kill a lamb, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the header of their houses, and before that, before that death came through there. So are you all with me? Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says this. Oh, where am I at? It says... 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take, a, take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Skip on down to verse 6. It says, Now you shall keep it, the lamb, until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and upon the lintel of the houses that they were, that, that they were uh, where they eat. Then they said, uh, then they shall eat <clears throat> the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with uh, unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat of it. <clears throat> Skip on down to verse 11. And it says, and thus you shall eat it, the lamb, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, <clears throat> and the staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through <clears throat> the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this shall be a memorial, and you shall keep, keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. <clears throat> so since 1968, the movie The Ten Commandments has been shown since 1968 till the present day. Next Sunday night, it will play on ABC next Sunday night. It has been going since 1968. That's the year that I was born. 53 years. 50, yeah, 54 years. Yeah, tell me. I feel my age every morning. <laughs> Things creak and crack inside my body that I never heard before. But, <clears throat> but the Ten Commandments is shown during the Easter season. It doesn't have anything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is not mentioned in that movie. It's not mentioned. So why would they show that at Easter time every year? There's a reason. There's a reason. Because <clears throat> the truth of this scripture that we just read in Exodus that points out the movie, the Ten Commandments, these things were said in that movie, it has everything to do even though it doesn't mention the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it has everything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, 
For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God's standard. For all have sinned, and we've fell short, right? We, we've all done stuff. <clears throat> so this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a microphone, and I'm going to let you tell everything that you've ever done. <laughs> no. We, we've all sinned, fell short of the glory of God. But here's what sin is. Sin is a taskmaster that enslaves us to death. And so John the Baptist in the New Testament, when he saw, he was Jesus' cousin, but when he saw Jesus walking toward him to be baptized, because John was baptizing everybody, Jesus is headed that way. He looks up and sees Jesus. Twice in John chapter 1, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb of God. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He's just now getting started in ministry. But John the Baptist recognized him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When we read here in in Exodus chapter 12, we're reading about the Passover and what were they to do? They were to kill the lamb and take its blood and put it upon the door of their houses so that when death came through, when slavery of sin came through, (coughs) it passed over them. Passover has everything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. because Exodus chapter 12, the Passover here, foreshadows Jesus' death. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry about that. (coughs) It's a foreshadow of Jesus' death (coughs) that makes us free from the slavery of sin. But the truth of the presence and the power which links us to Passover and links Passover to Jesus is the blood. The blood. It's not an Easter basket. It's not a chocolate bunny. It's not a hunt of colored eggs. It is the Lamb of God. It's the blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world because we've all sinned. And we've all been enslaved to sin at one time or another. And it's the blood of Jesus that he shed on that cross that we're going to talk about in a couple of Sundays that makes us free and calls us into Christianity, calls us Christians. It's his, it's his death, burial, and resurrection. Without it, <clears throat> without it, we're not Christians. Amen. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13 in the New Living Translation says this, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign. The word, the, the word sign means a miracle marker. <clears throat> will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood... I will pass over you. This plague of death 
will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. So why are you here at this church? How did you land here? Was it because you saw the big billboards that we put out on I-25? No, because we never did. Is it, you know, is it because we're pushing mail through the, you know, come to our Easter service? Is it because we're, you know, telling people uh, through the mail? No. You land here not out of happenstance, not just because you're lucky. You, you land, it's no accident that you're here in this place. Because I believe that when you come here and you like it here, that you are a remnant you're cutting yourself out of, out of the main line cloth of what a church is to be like because we're different. We're different. And when you come here, you, you land here, and you find your, if you find your home here, it's because you're different. You're a cow tipper. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, you're cow tipping. Every time you go to church, you're cow tipping. Every time you open up your Bible, you're cow tipping. That's what I should have named this, hadn't I? Should have named this cow tipping. I, I did a series on cow tipping at one time. <clears throat> but it's no accident. It's not by chance because you are the person who is not satisfied with church as usual. You are a person who is not satisfied with religion and tradition. You are a person that loves to challenge the process. I love to challenge the process. My mom hated it when I challenged the process. She said, go clean your room. Why? You know, make your bed. Why? I, I challenge that process. You know, some people say, well, if you make your bed in the morning, if you don't make your bed in the morning, you have no quality of life. You have no vision. You know, like, that's dumb. Because I'm not going to make my bed because I'm going to get right back in it later. Some of you guys are going, yeah, he said it. He said it. But you challenge the process. I love challenging the process. I love being around people who challenge the process. Because we challenge the process because we're not rebellious. We're not outlaws. We're not. But we have that spirit on the inside of us that is independent that is improvisational and that is influential. We have that spirit. We don't challenge the process because we're rebellious, that we're mavericks. But if that's not you, if you come here and you go, "Ah, I don't like, I like things a little bit more traditional. That's cool. Go find your tribe. Go find your band. Go find your clan. Go find your family. We, we love for you to do that because if you don't fit here, that's awesome. Go find where you do fit. I'm not telling you to get out. I just want you to go find that place where we can all come together in the unity of the faith down the line. And so if, if, if it is you, that you like this place, that you, you like the challenging the process. If you like it, just know that you're going to be challenged. 
I'm going to say some things up here about Easter that people will go, well, you don't believe in Jesus? If you don't do Easter, you don't believe in Jesus. If you don't do chocolate bunnies, you don't believe in Jesus. You know? <laughs> I'm going to challenge the process, and I believe that you will challenge the process as well. But here's what we got to do. In challenging process, we've got to rightly divide the word of truth because his presence and his power come from the truth. The truth overshadows any holiday. The truth overshadows any habit that we have. The word of truth overshadows everything that is religious, traditional, everything. It's the word of truth. Truth is number one in my life. I mean, I, I, I want to... I want to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, right? Does that mean you don't lie? I've caught myself lying. I know that you have too. Not caught me lying. You caught yourself lying. Don't judge me. But we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God, and that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the blood of Jesus, because the blood of Jesus, the Passover, this is what I want you to understand. In two weeks when Resurrection Sunday is, it happens during Passover this year. And Passover is the truth that points to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Passover is the true piece of the puzzle when it comes to Resurrection Sunday. That's the reason I call it Resurrection Sunday. is because without the resurrection, we're nothing. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've never stepped into that place of being a Christ follower and receiving what Jesus did on that cross, when he took away your sin, when he became the Lamb of God, took away your sin. If you've never become a Christian, today is your day. We don't have to wait till Resurrection Sunday. We can do it right here if you've never asked Jesus to be a part of your life. Now is the time. When Jesus walked up to his disciples before they were his disciples, he would ask them a question. He would look at them and just say, hey, I like what you got going on. I want to be a part of your life. Would you come and be a part of mine? Would you come and follow me? If you've never taking that. I'm telling you today, Jesus is standing right here. Not me, but Jesus through me is saying, would you come and follow me? Not Darren, Jesus. Would you come and follow him today? If you've never committed to that, if you've never committed to that, now is the time to do it. And all you got to say is yes. All you got to say is yes. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you for your people. I thank you, God, that every person is not, every person is not worthy in their life to ever have you be a part of their life, our lives. 
But God, you chose us anyways. You chose your son, Jesus, to want to be involved in our lives. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that if there's anyone that's never stepped into Christianity, they've never stepped into um, being a child of God, then they would do it right now. They would just say yes. So, Father, as they say yes, you know their hearts, you know their minds. And, God, I thank you that you have given us a way of becoming a Christ follower, a follower of your son, Jesus, and a carrier of Holy Spirit on the inside of us. God, I thank you and I praise you for who you are and what you've continued to do for us and with us. In Jesus' name, amen.